Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, April 9th. Here is a timely reminder. If you haven't sent your Mother's Day card, you better get it in the mail fast. And speaking of Mother's Day, it was on this date in 1940 that President Woodrow Wilson signed a proclamation that designated the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. That's this Sunday, so be sure not to forget about mom. Now let's check in on the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for a look at your Tuesday forecast. And good Tuesday morning to you. Get ready for a hot day as you head out the door this morning. Already very mild, 60s and 70s out the door. Partly cloudy sky. We go up in the mid to upper 80s by noon and up into the 90s this afternoon. Hottest day so far this year. Now there could be a couple of very late afternoon and evening showers and thunderstorms. Be on the lookout for that. Cold front comes through tonight and tomorrow's high temperature a little bit more typical for May at 82 degrees be around 80 on Thursday, 82 Friday. The morning's a little bit more comfortable in the upper 50s to around 60 degrees. By the weekend, we do start to warm back up. Upper 80s on Saturday. Mother's Day Sunday looks dry in 91. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. Georgetown County Sheriff's Office has arrested and charged a man in connection to an April shooting at a nightclub that was operating illegally. Deputies arrested 47-year-old Lamel Lennon in connection to last month's shooting at Hush Lounge. He's charged with attempted murder. The victim of the shooting was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. They have since been released from the hospital. The Charleston County Sheriff's Office, they have shared a short clip of dash cam footage from a shooting that injured a deputy and left a suspect dead. Now, that video was only shown to media, community advocates, and county council yesterday. Deputies say the shooting happened during a traffic stop Sunday around 3.45 p.m. outside Farmhouse Antiques in Ravenel. The video showing Deputy Evan Cubbage asking a passenger who the coroner has identified as James Pierce to get out of the car. The video then shows Pierce shooting at deputies. Cubbage was hit three times in that exchange. The video then shows Pierce falling down next to the car, continuing to fire shots. He died at the scene. The sheriff's office says Cubbage is now recovering at home. The dash cam footage is expected to be made public by the end of the week. A North Charleston council member will have to find a new place to live. This comes after the North Charleston sewer district unanimously voted to terminate a contract from 2012 that allowed her and her husband to live on the sewer district's property in exchange for security. Our Molly Bride attended that meeting and brings us all the details. Councilwoman Rhonda Jerome tells me she and her husband have lived on the city's sewer district's property free of charge since 1989. She says she's wondering why it's been fine for 20 years, but now it's an issue. I don't get mad, I get even. I'm running for mayor. And I'm sure that plays a lot into this, but they're not going to break me and they're not going to get rid of me. Jerome says she and her husband live in a double wide on North Charleston sewer district owned property for free, with the sewer district also paying for their electricity and water. In exchange, Jerome says she and her husband provide security on the property. She tells me her husband walks the property every day, checking up on buildings and equipment. Found out from the news media that this was on the agenda tonight. Nobody called us. 
from the sewer district or the commission. Last night, the North Charleston Sewer District voted unanimously to terminate their written contract with Jerome, which allows her and her husband to live on the property for free in exchange for security. There was no discussion among the commission at yesterday's meeting regarding the contract. Jared Jones, the executive director of North Charleston Sewer District, did not want to speak on camera. But he did tell me the commission discussed terminating Jerome's contract during an executive session. He said he could not comment on the reasoning for the termination because he wasn't there, but was not aware of any outside influence. We also reached out to the city of North Charleston for a comment which reads, the North Charleston Sewer District is independent of the city, just like the North Charleston Housing Authority. Regardless, as Mr. Jones says, the mayor had no input on the issue. I reached out to the members of the North Charleston Sewer District Commission to hear their reasoning behind the termination and have not heard back yet. But of course, we'll keep you updated as soon as we hear from them. Reporting in North Charleston, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Jerome is part of a crowded field in the race for North Charleston mayor. That election will take place in November. Here's a look at the rest of the candidates. A total of seven people are in the race now to lead the city. Folly Beach Deputy Chief Rocky Burke is taking a shot at becoming the next Charleston County Sheriff. According to his release, Burke has nearly 50 years of experience in public safety, ranging from law enforcement to fire service. Burke says his top priority, if he does become sheriff, would be to ensure the safety of everyone in Charleston County. He says teamwork is critical and will make sure law enforcement, fire, EMS also work together to keep the community safe. Burke says he will invest in programs to support mental health and will work with schools in the district to increase security and resources to keep students safe. As of now, there's only one other person who has announced their intent to run for Charleston County Sheriff, former Mount Pleasant Police Chief and Town Councilman Carl Ritchie. He announced his candidacy last month. Well, it's been one year since a mom and her two daughters were killed in a collision with a Charleston County deputy and attorneys representing the family want the county and the sheriff's office to be held accountable. A memorial service was held yesterday honoring the lives of Stephanie Dantzler and her daughter Shanice and Miranda Dantzler Williams. The crash happened Mother's Day last year at 11 p.m. when deputy was responding to a disabled vehicle. Former deputy Emily Pelletier is charged in connection to those deaths while the service was to look back and remember the lives of the three women, it also served as a time to look ahead. Attorneys for the family say they plan to file a lawsuit to hold Charleston County accountable. They say they will show new facts about the accident that will speak for itself. Details about the lawsuit are not clear, but attorneys say they plan on announcing this sometime this week. A recent filing from Alec Murdoch's attorneys argues the insurance company suing him for fraud should take a look at his former housekeeper's family. Satterfield, Gloria Satterfield, the longtime housekeeper for the Murdoch family. She died after a trip and fall accident at the family's Moselle property back in 2018. In court documents filed last week, Murdoch admitted to manufacturing his story about his dogs being the cause of that fall, which enabled him to collect the settlement money from Nautilus Insurance Company. Satterfield's attorneys say just because they have recovered some of the money owed through other lawsuits, they don't owe the insurance company anything. Despite recovering more than initially owed to them, the Satterfield family attorneys say none of the money came from Nautilus. The attorneys believe the judge will not grant this request due to Murdoch's past of being a serial liar. 
It's been almost a year since a Charleston County School District principal was placed on administrative leave for alleged inappropriate behavior in nearly eight months since she received her termination letter. However, it was only last week that she was taken off the payroll. Carolyn Anderson, the former principal of Septima Peak Clark Academy, has remained on the payroll for almost an entire year. Despite the termination letter, Anderson requested a hearing to appeal that decision. A hearing was held March 10th in a term recommendation was advanced to the board. The board approved the recommendation and Anderson was officially terminated and removed from the payroll. Anderson was making about $125,000 a year and made that salary for almost an entire year while on administrative leave. Anderson was placed on leave after an internal investigation found she frequently made comments of sexual nature using explicit language. Dorchester School District 2 is asking for over $260 million for next school year. Last night, the district presented its preliminary budget to the county council. It's a step that's mandatory so the district can finalize next year's budget. The district is asking for 11% more money than last year. Included in the plans are raises and bonuses for teachers and staff, a technology refresh for students, and improvements for safety in district schools. DD2 says they estimate over 17,000 new homes are coming to the area in the next few years. The district says despite the proposed increase in funds for next year, they're not planning on any tax increases. Legal in South Carolina after Republicans in both chambers have failed to come to a compromise on a bill. Some lawmakers say this issue should be put in the hands of voters. The South Carolina Policy Council polled voters in January about whether they would support a constitutional amendment on restricting or banning abortions. Nearly half said they would oppose it. A third said they are in favor of it. Last month, one Republican senator proposed asking voters that very question in a referendum. However, Republican leaders in the state disagreed with that proposal. Today, House lawmakers are set to take up the Senate's six-week abortion ban. Today, several groups will gather to support sexual assault victims in the state. This is the second year the rally will be held. The first was initially spurred by the Bowen-Turner rape cases out of Orangeburg. Turner is the Orangeburg County man who at the time was a teen accused of three sexual assaults in three counties. While out on bond, documents show he violated house arrest more than 50 times. He eventually pled guilty to assault and battery in April of 2022 as part of a deal with prosecutors and was sentenced to five years of probation. According to the South Carolina Victim Assistance Network, organizers feel it's important to continue this event to advocate for all victims of violent crime. The rally starts tomorrow at 9 a.m. on the steps of the State House. South Carolina continues to remain without its head accountant. Former Comptroller General Richard Ekstrom officially resigned from his post on April 30th. Ekstrom's resignation came after a $3.5 billion accounting error from double counting money sent to colleges. After learning of the error, lawmakers called for Ekstrom to be fired and even reduced his salary to $1 a year. Ekstrom did appoint someone to act after he left. However, Governor Henry McMaster says that person's authority is undetermined. If lawmakers fail to pick a replacement for Ekstrom before the legislative session ends this week, then Governor McMaster will get to select one.
South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson is pushing back on the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's right whale rule. Now, according to Wilson's office, the rule would put speed restrictions on certain vessels in an attempt to protect the right whale. Wilson claims in doing so, it would hurt South Carolina's boating and fishing industries and threaten the safety of boaters and those who fish. Now, Wilson joins attorneys general from Georgia, Tennessee, Louisiana, and Alaska in asking for NOAA to re consider the proposed rule and search for alternatives in protecting the species. A North Charleston group is working to find new ways to curb violence in North Charleston. Yeah, the group made it all the way to Chicago to get some inspiration. Emily Zuhowski is here with us now. And Emily, so why Chicago? Well, good morning, guys. Some leaders in the North Charleston community say the city and Chicago share more similar violence pro problems than some people might believe. It all started with a training class held at North Charleston City Hall led by Tio Hardiman, founder of the nonprofit Violence Interrupters. The program is designed to mediate conflict to prevent violence. Pastor Thomas Dixon and nonprofit executive director Ronald Smith were two of 10 individuals who went to Chicago, where the nonprofit is based, to see how the different organizations there are working together to break down the cycles of violence and trauma-based problems. Dixon says when it comes to national rankings annually, North Charleston per capita gun violence has been worse than Chicago for years now. Their mission is to target and canvas neighborhoods with high crime rates to see what they can do to help keep crime down as well as access federal funding, state funding and more city funding. But it's going to take a collaborative effort. It's going to take thinking outside of the box. We can't have tunnel vision people, people who say, oh, well, it's the parents. Oh, it's mental health. Oh, it's guns. No, oh, it's the school. No, it's all of this together, working together. The understanding that everybody has a part to play in reducing gun violence. And we have to get in here, bring everybody to the table, and take what we get at the table out into the community. Dixon says they need nonprofits in North Charleston to work together on the issue in order to bring and keep peace in their community. In the newsroom, Emily Zuhowski, Live 5 News. On this date in 1860, 163 years ago, writer J.M. Barry was born in Scotland. While you may not know the name, you've certainly heard of his best-known creation, Peter Pan. Celebrating birthdays today, actress-turned-politician Glenda Jackson is 87 Actor John Corbett from Northern Exposure is 62, and actress Rosario Dawson is 44. And remember, get those Mother's Day cards in the mail. It's this Sunday. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Morning, Y'all. Hope you have a great Tuesday. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning, Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News.